0: It's 1208, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, as we do every day. We live stream the first couple segments of today's program, facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. It is, of course, a kind of a cottage industry. Try to guess whether my wife dressed me today or I dressed myself. Hey, well, today, today is easy. We agreed on this one. I, I'm rocking the colors. I have one of my very favorite Milwaukee Brewers shirts on because... We are talking about the wonderful accomplishments of the Brewers. On today's program, we've got a lot of ground to cover, some very serious stuff, including some unbelievable allegations, some stuff out of the popular culture, some stuff involving the education world, but we start off, for our Facebook uh, live streaming purposes, by what is going on in the world of baseball. Now, let me just kind of break this down. I have been a Brewers fan essentially since there were the Brewers. Uh, we first moved here when I was a young child in 1967. There was no baseball here. Brewers came in 1970, and it's just been an amazing ride after after that. I remember being at the old at Old County Stadium when you had the uh, Brewers, the, the Paul Molitor, the Robin Yount team that advanced to the World Series. I remember being there for that weekend series against the then California Angels. That was very cool. I remember being at the playoffs in 2008, the playoffs in 2011, and and I believed all along that this this year's team was a special sort of team, so much so that I was willing to put my money where my mouth is. And, you know, working here at WTMJ as a flagship, I I get a press pass. So you you could go to the games if you want, but my buddy and I, we invested, got a 20-game season ticket package, have thoroughly enjoyed it. So I've been to probably 20 games on my own and then other games as well. I've probably been to 25 or 30 games, going to go on Friday. And it's just up or down. you know. At 162-game baseball season, you're going to have ups and downs, like I say, leading into the all-star break after the Brewers had been scheduled to play 23 games in 23 days. There was clearly a tired team. They had a rocky point, but Craig Council kept them together. David Stearns, I think, made some key acquisitions. Not all of them worked out, but most of them did. And now you have the Brewers on the precipice of, number one, not only making the playoffs for the first time since 2011, but right now I will tell you, the Chicago Cubs, they are looking over their shoulders. The Brewers are one half game behind the Cubs for the National League Central Division. And the National League Central Division is where all the best teams in in baseball are, in, in the National League are right now. The Cubs and the Brewers have the, the two best records in the National League. Then you've got the St. Louis Cardinals who have a chance to advance to the wild card. And, and they've been playing each other. I mean, they play each other, what, 18 or 20 games. It, it Coming out of the National League Central is a very, very difficult task, and right now it's a 6-1, half-dozen-the-other pick as to whether it's going to be the Cubs or the Brewers who end up winning. Um, I I know I was listening to some national broadcasts today, and some people were saying, well, the Cubs, they're a half game ahead. They, They still have the advantage. Cubs have five games to play, two against Pittsburgh, and they've lost the two games to Pittsburgh, plus three against St. Louis, who might be playing to get into the wild card. My prediction is if the Brewers take care of business, if they run the table, they're going to win the National League Central. That, that's my prediction, but they got to take care of business. But the bottom line is this is this just an incredible ride. There's no question about it. You look at the way this team is playing, but still, and again, I get this from listening to a lot of the national media that's out there. Still, there, there are naysayers. There are people who talk about, well, this is an experienced team. They don't have good starting pitching. You know, they, they've got some flaws. They've got some good players, but they've got players that are playing out of position. Travis Shaw playing second base. I mean, come on. How, how can you do that? Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. Here is my question to you. Are the Brewers for real? And is this a team that can seriously make the World Series, and maybe even win the World Series. Can they compete with the big boys of the sport, the New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, the Houston Astros, the Los Angeles Dodgers, you know, you name it, because the Brewers haven't gotten a lot of national love. Is it time to jump on the bandwagon? Are they, in fact, for real? 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My answer to that. And it's the same thing that I've been thinking about all year. But my answer is, yeah, I I think they are very much for real. And I will tell you this. I think the Brewers are the team that nobody wants to play right now. And I don't care if you're in the National League or the American League. They are a team that is rounding into form at just the right point in time. But let's tee this up. Are they for real? Could this be the year that the Brewers... Not only make the World Series, but actually win the World Series. 414 1620 And I know I'm putting the cart ahead of the horse a little bit, but isn't it fun to speculate? Could they be playing in late October? My answer is you bet. 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. Again, facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. If you want to watch this program as well as listen to it, it's 214, 214, 1214. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Twelve seventeen, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, there's plenty of room on the bandwagon. Are you on the Brewers bandwagon? And, and look, I, I think it's almost a foregone conclusion that they're going to make the playoffs for the first time since 2011, and that's going to be great. But I think they've got the potential to go a lot farther. I think this is the team that nobody wants to play right now. Let's start with Dave in Cottage Grove. Dave, you're first. Good afternoon.
1: Hey, Hi, Dave. good afternoon. I absolutely think they're for real. I think they could make a run all the way to the World Series. I've been to 11 games this year mm-hmm. already. And it's just every time it seems like maybe they're 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 tapering off and they're going to fall out of it, they find a way to get back into it. And I think that uh, David Stearns made a couple of really shrewd moves, a little bit under the radar screen, but I think Gio Gonzalez mm-hmm. is going to be a factor in this postseason. Um, the one that was a real head-scratcher for me was Scope right yeah. at the deadline. And uh, but I think that you look what he gives you in terms of a, a lineup potentially, you know, one through six that are guys that can get on base, drive in runs, and
2: yeah, got something magical happening.
0: Well, I, I, I mean, I agree with you, David. And, and I mean, I think a, a lot of credit goes to David Stearns. Now, I you know, if you're the general manager, you're making deals all the time. Not all are going to be successful. I, I'm not as optimistic about you. I mean, I would lump that that scope trade as as one of the failures, but, but that, but again, but even if you say that, and nobody's perfect. You got Granderson. I mean, you, you make the deals for you sign Lorenzo Kane. you bring in Christian Yelich who's going to be the MVP or at least should be the MVP. You get Mike Moustakas. I mean, you do all these different things. You cobble together this pitching staff that that's figuring out the way to win, even though that they don't have what anybody would consider to be, well, the Clayton Kershaw or, or somebody like that, but, but they're, they're winning. And I mean, I think Stearns has to get a lot of credit. I think he's got to get a lot of credit for general manager executive of the year. And candidly, Craig Counsel flies under the radar screen. I think Council has to be seriously considered for the manager of the year in the national league, given what they've accomplished. They are tied for, well, they have, they're tied for the most wins in the national league, playing a unbalanced schedule where they got to go up against Chicago and St. Louis and Pittsburgh. They play in a brutal division, and they're they're doing more than just holding their heads above water. Now, I think this is a special team. Dorothea in West Dallas, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
3: Hi. Hi, yeah, Dorothea. I, you kind of stole my thunder there. I was going to say, too, I think Craig Council should be manager of the year for the way he's managed to put everybody back in place. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even if somebody's having a slump, he knows how to kind of get them out of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I mean, he, it's a long season. Well, right, it, it's yeah. a long season, and I mean, I think this is one of the things we've seen from him over the last couple years. Is, is he's he's got this even keel. He he doesn't you know he doesn't get too high when you know they go on the winning streaks. But when they're got a bad losing streak, it's kind of like Aaron Rodgers. I get the attitude that his, his attitude is kind of relaxed. Everything will be okay, and everything has been okay this year. That's just the bottom line.
3: Yeah, and he's managing. The, you know, when they do bring players in. They've managed to gel them in a way that's just unbelievable, you know, to get them to work together. And mm-hmm. you can see they're a ball club that wants to win. So is it they World don't have the word quit in them.
0: Is it World Series or bust? Yes. All right. Thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. And I understand some people are going, oh, my gosh, you know, we haven't made the playoffs since 2011. And here's this guy on the radio talking about the World Series. Well, yeah, I'm talking about the World Series because I, I think, again, this is a special team. Some teams. And you've seen this before. Some teams limp into the playoffs. It's a long season, and some teams, you know, just just ride a rocket into the playoffs. And, and the Brewers, they're on that. They're on that rocket, with the exception of that series against Pittsburgh and Milwaukee a couple weeks ago, a week and a half ago. I mean, how many series in a row have they won? Eight, nine, ten, with that one exception. I mean, this is it, it's it just it is shaping up like a special. Season and, and you see that from time to time. Let's talk to Ellen in Whitefish Bay. Ellen, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
2: Hi. Hi um, I What I, what strikes me about the Brewers is they are so thrilled for each other when somebody, you know, yeah. they're a very group-oriented team. And, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of jealousy between the players. I like to watch them every night because I love to watch the congratulations they give right. each other. And that's just so special to me. In terms of um, how they're going to do in the playoffs, um, I sure think they've got the ability. I think they've got the staff and so on and so forth. But I've learned that it's hard to predict.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it is, but it's, <laughs> it's fun. It's but it's fun to jump on the bandwagon, isn't it, Ellen?
2: <laughs> it's fun to dream. It's like buying a lottery ticket,
0: you know? <laughs> right? Except I think except I firmly believe. I firmly believe the odds of the Brewers going deep into the playoffs are, are a lot better than the odds that you get when you buy that lottery ticket. You know, to your point, though, Ellen, about the, the team liking each other, I, I am I am fortunate. Um, we've been, you know, as a flagship, I, I do part of their our opening day, you know, broadcasts. And the last several years, I've actually been in the dugout interviewing people. And I will tell you, one of the things that I have noticed over the, even the last couple years is that the, the chemistry is really good. You've got, you've got a mix of seasoned players and young players who are just, you know, darn glad to be here. You, you, and they genuinely seem to like each other. And I remember that's what I, I talked to about some of the people around the team every day. I talk to them and they say, no, the, these guys, they genuinely like each other. And, you know, you, you, you don't seem to have the people saying, well, I'm, I'm playing for my next contract and, you know, I, I don't, I don't care about trying to advance the runner. I, that, that doesn't make any difference. I'm trying to get a hit because if I raise my batting average a couple points, that'll be a bigger contract. I don't get the sense that that's going on with the Milwaukee Brewers in 2018. I think they, they genuinely like each other. Phil and Two Rivers. Phil, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
4: Hey, Jeff. Great show. Uh Can We talked about chemistry. Um, you're spot on there. So I think there's a lot of other great reasons to really love this team. Uh, they obviously have the horses. You know, you've got uh, Yellich is a, probably a shoe-in MVP at this point, but, uh, you know, Hayter and Aguilar and Kane, I mean, they were talking about MVP candidates a little earlier in the season. You've got the horses there. Um, in addition to that, you've got a bullpen that's one of the best in the majors yep. all year long. Um, they've got a no-quit attitude. They're a comeback team. You know, their bullpen is even uh, they're even better when they're on rest, and no team has had more rest days in the last month of the season than the Brewers. Work in a couple more rest days for travel during the playoffs. So I, you know, I think if you can get get to the playoffs and and, um, is one thing, but if you can win the division, get that home series advantage, uh, rely on your big studs and your and your uh, bullpen to carry you through, get that chemistry going again. I think that's a given. And you know, the one thing that I I can say about the last couple weeks of the season too, uh, you know, the Cubs and the Brewers and the Cardinals and the Brewers, it just seems like over the last couple of years. You know the Brewers kind of had that fear, and the headlights kind of looked yep. about them, and, and a little bit of fear. I did not see that in the last month of the season. If they're on a mission and they they really believe
0: in themselves, right? And I, I think part of that. I, I mean, I give Council credit for that. I give Stearns credit for that, but. But, you know, one of the other things you see is look at some of the additions. You, you bring in Lorenzo Cain, who, you know, won a World Series, you know, and you, you bring in a, a talented guy like Christian Yellis and, and Moustaka, who was in the World Series. Moustakas. The, these are, you know, uh, Curtis Granderson. I mean, they've, they've got an interesting mix of the young guys and the veterans. And I, I'm with you. I certainly don't get the impression that the lights are too bright for them. I, I, I don't. I agree. Thanks yeah, for No, it's no and it's, you know, thanks. For, it, it, it's fun. Now, now, look, if, if. If they don't overtake the Cubs and they have that one game wild card play in and it'll be against either, you know, Colorado, which is very hot right now, or, um, presumably, or, or the Cardinals, one of the two. I mean, I appreciate that anything can happen. That's why you, you want to win the division. And if, If they end up losing, am I going to be disappointed? Yes, I'm going to be extremely disappointed. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that what's been going on this year hasn't been an incredible success. And you don't want to think about next year. But, I mean, look, they've got the foundation and framework for a a great contending team for several years to come. And you haven't been able to say that about Milwaukee for a while. So, I mean, I think everybody deserves credit. But I'm telling you right now, get on the bandwagon. We've got an earlier start tonight for the ball game, So tune in. I think the game starts at 6 o'clock. Um, instead of seven. So there's an earlier start for the game. And and it's so been amazing that they fly under the radar screen. Like I say, the Brewers have not been on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball all year. All year, they haven't been on Sunday Night Baseball. And even if you listen to a lot of national sports shows in the radio, which I do, they, they they've been kind of under the radar. People want to talk about the Red Sox, and they want to talk about the Yankees, and I I get that. And they want to talk about the Los Angeles Dodgers. Well, I think the best story going right now is coming out of Milwaukee. Period. So plenty of room. Jump on the bandwagon. Twelve twenty six. Jeff Wagner. WTMJ. Jeff Wagner WTMJ as the Brewers play the final week of the regular season the stakes remain high no kidding what should be expected of them down the stretch of this season host Matt Pauley gives his thoughts on the latest Brewers Extra Innings podcast be sure to check that out Go to WTMJ.com. You'll see mobile apps. You can click on the Brewers Podcast. You can also download and subscribe to the podcast of this show. I, I get the numbers and I know lots of people do that. In case you can't listen to all three hours of the show, you can subscribe to the podcast and then every time it is posted, every day, generally around three thirty or so, you know, we notify you of you. And I, I hear a lot of people say, Hi. Yeah. Matter of fact, I get emails. They'd come in in the middle of the night sometimes and I, and of course I'll I'll wake up and I'll find them I'll say, people are sending me emails about a topic I did on the show at You know, twelve hours earlier, and I think, what's going on here? Well, it's because people are up in the middle of the night and they're listening to the podcast. That is one of the cool things that we do. All right, we uh, live stream the first two segments of the program on Facebook.com. Facebook dot com. That's up there. You can watch it again. But number of comments. Laura, for example, says, "I think the Brewers are in it to win it this year. So excited for the final stretch." Jeff writes, "My lab results indicated that I am testing positive for Brewers fever, and I encourage others to contract it." I have been to eleven. Seven games this season. That is by far the most I've ever attended in one season for any team. I'm going to all three games this weekend, and there is a good chance I will have laryngitis on Monday. Yeah, let me just say that I'm, I'm going to the game Friday for sure. There, there is no excuse given the way this team is playing, and given all that's on the line, there is no excuse that there's not going to be at least for there not to be at least forty thousand fans, at least forty thousand fans Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. This has been a special year's Brewer's Fever. Catch it. Plenty of room on the bandwagon. It's 12.35, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Can the crew pull off a sweep against the Cardinals and secure their spot in the postseason? Lance Allen of today's TMJ4 is in St. Louis. He'll join Gene Miller for a full recap tomorrow. 7.51 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Of course, the Brewers play tonight, then they have Thursday off, and then they come home for a final three-game set against Detroit. Chicago has two games against Pittsburgh today and tomorrow, and they're going against the two best pitchers that the Pirates have. And then St. Louis rolls into Chicago and St. Louis is going to have something to play for because regardless of what happens today, St. Louis is going to still be in the thick of the hunt, presumably, for that second wild card spot. And so they're they're going to have incentive to play. I mean the Cubs the, the Cubs, they've got some work to do still. There, there's no question about it. Now, if they run the table and they win the remaining five games, well, okay, they're, they're going to win the Central Division, go with God. That's great. But I, I don't think they're going to win their remaining five games. Could be wrong, but I don't think that's going to happen. All right. Let us switch from a good, feel-good topic, the Milwaukee Brewers, to a, a topic that, honestly, it, it just gets weirder and weirder every day. Everybody knows by now that tomorrow – you're going to have an interesting piece of American history because if all goes according to plans, and that's a big if, you are going to have the, the woman, um, Dr. Ford, who has made allegations against potential associate justice on the U.S. Supreme Court, Brett Kavanaugh. She is going to testify and Judge Kavanaugh is going to testify. And, and we've, we've talked about this at, at great length. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that any minds are going to be true, uh, changed about this. But, you know, presumably she's going to say that, gee, back in high school when I was 15 years old, I was at this party. I don't remember where the party occurred. I, I don't remember exactly who was there, but Brett Kavanaugh and his friend grabbed me and tried to hold me down. I didn't tell anybody about this until 2012 or 2013 when this, this came out, and I had the memory of it, and I told my therapist and this couples therapy thing, and, and since then I, I've told a couple other people, but there's, there's no witnesses to this, and it is the ultimate he said she said so that that's where this stands right now now of course there has now been a new monkey wrench thrown into all this michael avenetti one of the interesting things about about the, the last two years is you, you've seen well some of the best and some of the worst in the legal profession and and i i admit as a recovering though still licensed to practice law attorney I I look at some of the people who have have emerged and come on the forefront, and I, I just cringe. Okay, Michael Cohen, who of course was the the lawyer slash fixer for Donald Trump. You know, you one of the things, it, and people don't like to hear this, but my my perspective is, you know, Donald Trump. Um, we would be like, why would you associate yourself with somebody like like Cohen? And the answer is because that's kind of the circles that some of the people that, that, that Trump ran in. I mean, he's, he's clearly, you know, one of these sort of attorneys that kind of gives you the willies, you know, that, that, that sort of stereotypical guy that's out there to make the fast buck and is willing to cut corners, et cetera, et cetera. One of the other guys who at least strikes me like that is this attorney, Michael Avenetti. He is, of course, the attorney for, Stripper slash pornographic film actress slash, you know, everybody's, you know, media darling Stormy Daniels. He's the guy that represents her and has been for the last year or so. Just a a fixture. I mean, seriously, one of the most dangerous places to be in this country is between a TV camera and either Avenatti or Stormy Daniels. And it seems like any time that the publicity might be fading, well, one of the two of them has to do something to get themselves back on camera. Avenetti is a guy that it just he just makes me cringe and I got to got to tell you and that doesn't and just like Cohn is a guy that makes me cringe and it doesn't matter you know what the politics are it's just oh man this is the kind of guy that gives lawyers a bad name anyhow Avenetti has been saying for the last couple of days that he's got a bombshell and he's he's prepared to drop this bombshell um whenever it's going to get the most attention and that bombshell has dropped today I, I am willing to bet when Judge Kavanaugh was tapped to again send to the United States Supreme Court, I'm, I'm sure people told them, look, you got to be prepared for all sorts of stuff because a lot of people are going to be coming at you with both barrels and, and they're going to be just completely and totally expect, you know, analyzing your life and they're looking for, you know, anything that you might have done wrong. So even with that warning, I'm willing to bet that Judge Kavanaugh never anticipated that he would see a headline. I'm looking at the headline in the New York Post, but this, this is you could find another place as well. Brett Kavanaugh accused of drugging women who were then gang raped. Now, it is important to add that that most major news outlets that are handling this New York Times, The Washington Post and others are saying the women's allegations cannot be substantiated. But nevertheless, nevertheless, she, through her attorney, this Michael Avenatti, the same guy that represents Stormy Daniels, they, they are making these allegations. She has submitted an affidavit. Um, let me, here, here's the declaration, and let me read the way it's described in one of the print sources. A third woman, woman accusing Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh of sexual misconduct has come forward, alleging he drugged women, at parties in the 1980s who were then gang-raped. In a signed declaration released Wednesday, a woman named Julie Swetnick says she knew Kavanaugh and his friend Mark Judge during high school in 1981 and 1982, and alleges she saw them and their pals spike punch at house parties so that women who drank it could be gang-raped by a train of boys. Her language, not mine. Quote, during the years 1981 to 1982, I became aware of efforts by Mark Judge, Brett Kavanaugh, and others to spike the punch at house parties. I attended with drugs and or grain alcohol so as to cause girls to lose their inhibitions and their ability to say no. She writes, I have a firm recollection of seeing boys lined up outside rooms at many of these parties waiting for their turn with a girl inside the room. These boys included Mark Judge and Brett Kavanaugh. She says that she was the victim of one of these, quote, train rapes, end quote, where Judge Kavanaugh were present and that other witnesses can verify what happened. Quote, during the incident, I was incapacitated without my consent and unable to fight off the boys raping me. I believed I was drugged using quaaludes or some other similar placed in what I was drinking. She writes, she alleges that Kavanaugh was verbally abusive to women when he got drunk at parties and grabbed and fondled them without their consent. I observed Brett Kavanaugh drink excessively at many of these parties and engage in abusive and physically aggressive behavior towards girls, including pressing girls against him without their consent, grinding against girls and attempting to remove or shrift girls' clothing to expose private body parts. All four seven nine nine is the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let me just throw this out there and ask you a, a broad-based question. What do you make of this? Is, is this something... That strikes you as a, a last-second pile-on? Let's try to get attention, sort of thing. Is this something that strikes you as believable? Is the Brett Kavanaugh that everybody thought they knew for the last 36 years is, is that a complete and total sham? Was this guy really active in in drugging people and participating in gang rapes back in high school? What do you make? Of this. Help me out here because I have to tell you, <laughs> this is, you know, it's one thing. Some of these other allegations are one thing, but, but this is this is a whole new level to say that, you know, you were involved in, in drugging women when you were in high school and participating in gang rapes. 414 799 1620, or at least being aware that there were gang rapes going on, even if you yourself didn't participate directly. 414 799 1620. What do you make of this latest allegation? We're back to discuss in just a moment. It's 1245, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1248, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, Let's before we go to the phones, let's get a couple texts. What's the magic number of women who need to come forward before they are believed? Clearly, three is not enough. Is it five or ten? Do you have any idea how humiliating the experience of any sexual assault is, even when rape is not involved? All right. Uh, Here's another text. I don't believe any of this. Drugged and gang raped in high school and no one says a thing, especially the victim, until Judge Kavanaugh is nominated to the Supreme Court. Unbelievable, literally. And that is signed by Valerie. Let's see. um, Another text. Attention getters. That's all. Well, it does get the uh, attention. Um, Lori says, it sounds like a high school party transcribed into Legal speak. Um, another text. If she was aware of this happening for a year before it happened to her, how did she get herself in a situation for it to happen to her? Um, all right. It's a smear campaign um, involving piling on. These individuals know that nothing can be proven from over 30 years ago, and the floodgates are wide open so that the Democratic Party can squash this nominee. Another text. The last woman is confused. I bet she mentioned that Bill Cosby Did it. All right. He's guilty. It's not rocket science. Lock him up. Another text. As with the Red Scare, Senator McCarthy, have you no shame? Democratic Party, have you no shame? Another text. I think it's all a sham. Have there been any substance to these claims? Why wouldn't they have surfaced years ago? All right. Let's go to the phones. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Greg in Waukesha. Greg, good afternoon.
5: Good afternoon. What do you think? Um, What do you make of this? (laughs) I don't know what to make of it. It's it's a circus, I can tell you that. Um, However, if someone, you know, everyone's got their different opinions, and people can come out and accuse you of all types of things. It doesn't mean mean it's true. However, if someone's willing to go under oath and suffer legal ramifications for, for a statement like that, then I think that person needs to be at least listened to, and we need to investigate it. If it's just someone rambling off something and they're not willing mm-hmm. um, to speak under oath, then it, it, I don't want to hear them. But if they're willing to speak under oath, I think we do need to look into it.
0: And it needs to be investigated. Okay. So, and then tell me, tell me, and I I'm, this is a legitimate question. I'm not trying to be smart about this. Okay. okay. So tell me what, what sort of investigation do you, what sort of investigation do you do? You you You're the FBI agent. You get this file. Okay. So you go out, you interview the woman. Presumably she says stuff like's alleged in her affidavit that she submitted. Kavanaugh says it didn't happen where do you what do you do then?
5: I think you look at the different people that she i guess she's mentioned and I don't have all the details right, but if she's mentioned that there were different people that knew about this, you ask those people, the other people that went to school that um that are that may be willing to say, well, we've heard different things happen is this could this have possibly happened? They interview people that went to the school, if they can, and people that she or he have brought up to say, like his friend. He's got a friend that um, yeah. I guess doesn't want to talk, which I think that's kind of strange. But um, you interview that friend. Okay. You ask that guy what happened on both sides, not just one side, right. both sides. But I think the FBI should look into this. We're talking about appointing someone.
0: To the United States Supreme to, to Court. The Supreme
5: no. Court. That's that's huge, and I, I think it's something, and I do understand the fact that Republicans and Democrats both are trying to stop the other guy from getting their guy in, and that whole thing, and they're worried about the election. I get that. I completely get it. However, this is serious.
0: Do you think he's? Do you think the allegations are in and of themselves are are, are mm-hmm. so that that Kavanaugh is so tainted? One cause, I mean, here's my concern, Greg. You're never going to be able to get to the bottom of this. Just you know, it's thirty some years ago. You're, you're never gonna able you're able going to be able to figure out. it out.
5: I, I agree with you.
0: You know, I mean, I you know, I, you, you're never. You're, I don't think it's a practical matter because of the passage of time and memories and those sort of things. Do you think he is so tainted that he should just step down, or that President Trump should pull the nomination?
6: I think that if if they have
5: not looked at other options, I, I'll be shocked. I think that. Um, he should be, well i i wouldn't say stepped out it should be investigated and if we can't figure this out if it looks too hairy he needs to move aside and we need to get the right guy in there
0: okay or gal thanks for your call or, or or gal i i will say this this is my prediction mark this down if brett kavanaugh either steps aside or is forced to step aside my prediction is that the next the next nominee by president trump will be a female not 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 a male i'm just I am making that prediction four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. What do you make uh, of this? And I ask this, I ask this sincerely because you know I, one of the things I've been saying for the last week and a half is, well, all right, if, if there's going to be allegations, typically when you have somebody who is an abuser, you, you have serial abuse claims. You know, you, you have multiple people. You have a Bill Cosby situation where you have sixty women saying, okay, this is what the guy did, going back to to the nineteen sixties. Um, in the Kavanaugh case. It's only been the the one woman. You've got another woman who's now uh, kind of, sort of all over the map as to what may or may not have happened. But this is very specific. Hey, I was at this party. This guy was involved in drugging women, and you know there there was gang rape going on. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Dave in Milwaukee. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Yes.
7: Uh, good morning. Hi, Dave. Jeff. The one thing, yeah, you know, I listen to your program regularly. Thank you. The one thing I find is that it seems to me you're being too one-sided. One, we haven't heard from anybody of the combative parties, be it the various ladies or Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh has had some ability to be in front of the camera. We've not heard from this lady yet. So I think that it's, it's rushed to a judgment, and you have the power of your uh, being on air, uh, and we're taking a majority of people who find fault that people say, well, how can you remember? Well, I can remember almost every girl I ever kissed, uh theoretically
5: <laughs> and
7: my point is i can remember the few times i might have been under the influence of a couple of bottles of beer uh theoretically so the point is i'm saying that for this guy to be accused of something and he says it never happened that may or may not be true the way we get at it is to investigate the third parties that have been a part of this conversation that we have not really heard from the yet
0: well we're going to hear from the one we're going to hear from the one lady yeah. tomorrow theoretically she's important. going to testify
7: and that's important so that's going to be a big stop sign for digesting where we as you know how can i say observers come up with our interpretation of whether she's truthful or not and we're going to still be guessing so we won't Well, that's guess. what i was
0: going to say because i mean i don't how, how assuming uh, let's just talk about dr Ford for a minute the, the lady who's going yeah. to presumably testify yesterday there's there, there's nobody, and there's nobody out there that that has a contemporaneous corroboration. You know, she she never told anybody that this happened to her. So, I mean, now, now she has come forward with some people after 2013. I told a couple people this happened, but no sort of contemporaneous stuff. Well, we what still do don't what
7: have we the do? Fa- we haven't heard her in front of mm-hmm. a camera and. In- Front of cross-examination, ex- and now we're okay. going to have a quote-unquote independent attorney mm-hmm. ask her questions in front of the uh, panel, and whether they also then will contribute as a back, backup of additional questioning, I don't know. It should be interesting to see if this, I don't even know if it's going to be on television
0: tomorrow. Oh, it's going to be on television. I, <laughs> so I guarantee you. Yeah, yeah.
7: So the whole point, I think, is it's, it's, it's a little early to actually guess, but my feeling is like the gentleman who just spoke earlier. I think we need to hear from this party uh our parties, and then we can as side how can i say armchair armchair uh interpreters see where the truth may lie as we as listeners hear
0: good enough, I, okay, good enough, thanks I, for call appreciate it. i'm sorry I'm kind of against the clock I'm, i i I am going to continue this. we have jammed phone actually the one phone line just opened up four one four seven nine nine one six twenty i i will I will acknowledge that the the developments today and and michael avenetti is in my opinion he is he, he's everything that attorneys should hate he, you know he's he's the the sort of stereotypical let me I'm a publicity seeker I I do stuff to try to get my name in the paper etc cetera, etc cetera. but of course that doesn't mean that the client he's representing is is not telling the truth when she comes forward at the, you know, I'd say it's eleventh hour, but it's later than that. It's eleven fifty nine, and comes forward and makes these very, very serious allegations. What do you make of this? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Hang on, we'll be back with more in just a couple of minutes. It's twelve fifty seven. One ten, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, Eric, true confession time. Now, I, I am a child. I am a child of the seventies. Went to high school. In the 70s, I went okay. to college in the 70s, law school, late 70s, early, early 1980s. I, I have never, ever, ever been at a party like is described in this, 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 this situation where you have people surreptitiously drugging, you know, spiking punches and people lined up outside doors to, you know, mul- multiple sex partners with one. Yeah. Never been there. Now, having said that, I have been, and I confess to having been at parties where there was Quote unquote spiked punch. As a matter of fact, the, the woman I dated in college, almost married, she was legendary. She had this great recipe for this purple passion stuff that you'd make with grape juice and, um, red wine or vodka and Everclear, you know, 190 oh, proof yeah. grain alcohol. And I mean, and, and matter of fact, and, and, and I mean, I remember going to, I, I do have a recollection, but it was Carol. She used to have the recipe. People would come from far, people loved the recipe she had for this bunch. And it wasn't that here, you know, you're going to surreptitiously try to, you know, drug people. But I mean, it, it was a college party, you know, and that's, you'd go and you'd, you'd drink the Purple Passion, grew. Did you ever go to a party like that? Uh, sort of. Okay, you're you're pleading the fifth. Okay, Eric, did you go to parties like yeah, that? Yeah, I had a different name.
2: It was called a bullfrog. That was that was oh, right. the name of the drink. Same well,
0: stuff, right? Ever clear and some punch, right? And I, I guess, and I, I mean, so I I mean, so I hear this lady's statement, and I mean, I'm thinking, okay, well, I, I think a lot of people, if they were honest, would acknowledge maybe, especially if you were of of maybe it's still. I'm sure it probably still goes on, but I'm I'm thinking, you know, back then in the '70s and '80s, yeah, I I went to those parties where there was. Spike Punch. Everybody knew it was Spike Punch. That's one of the reasons you you drink the stuff. It was. I mean, it was like, oh, this is amazing. You know, you got all this Everclear in here, and nobody can taste it. And, and and they didn't, to my knowledge, lead to any sort of sexual assault or anything like that. But but clearly, there that type of stuff certainly went on, and it was kind of like a rite of passage. Not not this other stuff. But I tell you, we were just talking off the air. It's just. It, every time you think you've seen it all or you've heard it all it you know now you have an associate it ju- would be associate justice supreme court saying well i was a virgin you know yeah, when that, i was in high school and stuff i mean I heard that it's this cringeworthy
2: week. oh my gosh when i heard that this week i like put my hands up i cannot believe well or
0: or a headline I, I mean you know okay brett Kavanaugh, who's been a, a sitting judge on the the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District District of Columbia Circuit for 13 years. Now the headline: Brett Kavanaugh accused of drugging women who were then gang raped. I mean, it's. I think it is fair to say that our founding fathers never anticipated that we would be going here. Easy to say. All right, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. I I throw this out. This is we do this from time to time because my my question is: Where do we go from here? This is an electronic town hall. I I, I mean. I don't know. What do you make of these latest allegations? I have been the guy saying that, you know, one person that in and of itself, I think you have to be really careful about stuff from 30 some years ago. But now you have somebody else who's saying, well, no, this was he participated or at least stood by while there was group sexual assault that was going on. 414-799-1620. Mark and Heartland. Hi, Mark. Here on WTMJ.
3: Hi, Jeff, uh, waiting to talk to you because this is a very important to- topic and it sets precedent for future Supreme Court nominations. The word timing keeps coming back to me, Jeff. Timing, timing, timing. You just mentioned that Judge Kavanaugh was on the U.S. Court of Appeals for 13 years. Right. That's one step below the U.S. Supreme Court as far as the importance of the federal judgeship. Am I not correct?
0: Yes, right. I- absolutely. Yep. It-
3: And what happened, where were all of these supposed accusers then? Why was that nothing of this brought up in five Kavanaugh previous FBI vettings and background checks? And And the reason probably is, Jeff, this is timing to blow out a Supreme Court nomination. If these people actually are carried down and brought to testify and investigated and they're found not to be telling the truth, if they delay The Supreme Court nomination, all they can say in a subsequent nomination is, well, that's to the best of my recollection. These people are waiting decades to come forward with a supposed accusation. And now here's the other thing, Jeff. This happened in the 1980s, not the 1920s or the 1950s, if it happened at all, and it probably didn't. Back then, this type of behavior was suppressed. In the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and beyond, this type of behavior was openly exposed in the newspaper by the mm-hmm. women themselves, by their parents, etc. This comes down to a pure political witch hunt to stop a nomination.
0: Have Has his reputation been destroyed, though? I mean, can he can he, given the nature of these allegations that are out there and probably the reality that you're never going to be able to either prove them or disprove them, um, has his reputation been so tarnished that he cannot serve effectively on the Supreme Court moving forward?
3: No, and here's part of the reason. His name is Governor Walker. They went after him with everything they thought could stick. And he has been an effective governor despite that.
0: Yeah, no. Thanks for the call. I appreciate. it. No, I mean at the same time, uh, Governor Walker has been accused of of my, many many things. <laughs> there's, there's no question about it. To my knowledge, nobody's come forward and suggested though that, that Scott Walker was involved in drugging women who were then gang raped. <laughs> I mean, which which I mean, it sounds it just sounds so absurd on on its face. But you, you're never going to get you're never going to be able to prove it or disprove it. I guess one way or or the other. <sighs> I mean, look, I guess I I am troubled by the timing of these things, too. You know, why, if if this happened, and it is, if it happened, I mean, then I think it is a a cause for concern, but but why, why not come forward, like you say, at some point in time, while the guy is making decisions, he's been through all these different FBI background vettings. Is it only because of now of of the politics, or is it because well we've stood by and watched this, but we can't allow him to go to the Supreme Court? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Todd in Menominee Falls. Hi, Todd. Todd. Okay, let's try Jim and Franklin. Oh, sorry, Todd. Jim and Franklin. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
2: Hey, Jeff. Uh, You know, I'm not pandering to you, but if anybody should know how the investigative process goes, it's you, Mm -hmm. based on your previous position. And the people that say, well, the FBI should investigate, or it should be an investigation, basically there's no fairy dust that the FBI is going to sprinkle on this whole situation. They're going to look for things like receipts, semen samples, DNA, um, videotapes. And there aren't any of those right. things. There's no corroborating evidence. It's, right. going, to boil down, it's going to boil down to a he said, she said. Yeah. You're
0: never, you are never you are never going to be able to prove or disprove this one way or the other. I agree with you completely.
2: So but, you know, I don't get it. I mean, I, I do get it. The, the Democrats and this Avenatti are both either incre- incredibly uh, opportunistic or they're desperate.
0: Mm-hmm. Or perhaps a little bit of both. But I guess the, the question though becomes if, if we accept the premise that you're never going to be able to prove it one way or the other and that we are a very, very divided country now, has, has, has Judge Kavanaugh's effectiveness essentially fair or unfair has, is, is the point where he should just simply say this has become too controversial. I'm going to step down. I mean, is that at the position he's in?
2: I, I absolutely not, and I hope he doesn't. And I think Clarence Thomas has proven that he's right. an effective jurist, and I think that we should learn from that whole situation um, numerous years ago that he still could be
0: effective. Good enough. Thanks you Now, the the unfortunate thing, and I, I use the word unfortunate because I have always been very skeptical of Anita Hill's testimony. The unfortunate thing in mean, the Clarence Thomas thing is, though, that has tainted him. There, I mean, there, there's no question about it. When, when people... Hear about Clarence Thomas. They they always think about Anita Hill and they think about those allegations and that that's dogged him for the last. Was that ninety one? That's dogged him for the last. You know, go go several decades and you, you know that this will always be the case, one way or the other. Um, should should Brett Kavanaugh, Judge Kavanaugh, become Justice Kavanaugh? I, I will tell you. I guess I, I look at this and say this is either either this is a guy who had that completely separate life, um, who was able to fly under the radar screen, and this is these deep, dark secrets, or this is a guy who is perhaps the greatest victim of orchestrated character assassination in the history of this country. And I I don't know that we're ever going to be able to figure out which one it is. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Vincent on the northwest side. Hi, Vincent. Good afternoon.
8: Good afternoon, Jeff. You know, I was on uh, kind of on Kavanaugh's side, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when the first lady came out, talking about it was useful or for whatever back in the day. But this is the third individual that's come out, uh, uh, and and also being that uh, when they went back and looked at uh, Kavanaugh's yearbook and, and some of the, I think he was a jock and some of the ballplayers back in the day, they came up with this Renault, uh alumni alumni right. thing that he had in there, which means that they all basically had sex with this one girl back in high school. And then there were some other uh, incidents of of how they were raiding girls with these S's uh, with with a lot of vulgar vulgar language that Mm -hmm. was involved in these things. And so when you look back at that, and then Kavanaugh goes on uh, Fox News and said he was a virgin back in high school, you know, uh, and now this lady comes out and says there were, like, these gang rapes going on. I think I think it's used to take pause and maybe maybe kind of investigation. I mean, have an investigation and see what's what's going on.
0: Okay, well, thank well. I you know, and I think I I think that's probably where we're we're going. I I you know I guess we'll, we'll know a lot more tomorrow after Doctor Ford testifies and Judge Kavanaugh testifies as to how far down the rabbit hole we're going to go. As I've said before, part of my problem is I, I don't know that you're ever going to be able to to get to th- the bottom of this. People are going to believe what they, they want to believe. I think that the process, candidly, the, the process has probably been irretrievably broken. And this now, this probably sets the, the, new, the new limitations on, on people for, you know if, if they aspire to higher office and it's just it's just the the way this is going to be. I don't know if it's true or not. I, obviously I, I think I, I am skeptical of coming forward at the last moment like this. I am candidly skeptical of anything that Michael Avenetti touches. that's just uh, that's just how I feel about it. It doesn't mean that she's necessarily lying. I mean I think at some point in time, if she wants to come forward and she wants to make her statement publicly under oath and be questioned about it, I think she has the right to do it. I, I am just, I am legitimately concerned that this is this is epic character assassination um, that wouldn't have been going on candidly if Brett Kavanaugh was pro-choice instead of anti-abortion. But I, I, that's kind of where we are right now. I'm not saying that he has to step down at this point in time. Although I admit I, I did cringe when you have a guy at the age of 53 who now has to go on national TV and proclaim when when he lost his virginity. I mean, this is where we are in American politics nowadays, and and I don't I don't know if we're ever going to be able to unring that particular bell. Do you have? I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, if if I were in the Senate, I'd say, okay, look, any of these women that are out there. Here's the deal. We're going to hear testimony on Thursday. Anybody else that comes forward, you know, we're going to let you testify on Friday or or Monday or whatever, and then we'll end up deciding. If Judge Kavanaugh decides he wants to step down, I would certainly understand that as well. I don't think that's going to happen right now, though. 123, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. One twenty-six, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Hey, the uh, AFL-CIO president, the, the, he's a, one of the stereotypical union bosses. His name is Richard Trump. He, he you know, he kind of crept out of Wisconsin with his tail between his legs back in 2012 after they went all in and trying to get Scott Walker recalled. Well, he he's come back, and six years later, he's talking tough. This is what he says. On November 6th, we're going to have one hell of a party, a Scott Walker retirement party. Um, as he tries to fire up union activists. Well, he might, he might be right, but like I say, this is a bitter old labor boss who got his head has handed to him when he tried to play in Wisconsin politics years ago. Now he thinks the tide has turned. He might be right, but you know what? He might just be wrong. So there might be a party after the election on November 6th, but it might not be the party that Union boss Richard Trumpka thinks it's going to be. All right, we've got a lot of stuff coming up on today's program. Immigration made a whole bunch of arrests in Wisconsin over the last weekend or so. Some people are very unhappy. Fewer state residents, percentage-wise, getting into UW-Madison than in a long time. We're going to talk about that. And the end of Dunkin' Donuts. Stick around. It's 127, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 135, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's something Capitol Hill hasn't seen the likes of in a quarter century. What? No kidding. What impact will Thursday's testimony have on the future of the judicial branch of the U.S. government? That's kind of a big picture question. Scott Warris breaks it down. 520 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Be sure to check that out. All right, over the last couple of days, there have been one headline after another about primarily liberal politicians and liberal members of law enforcement, particularly in Dane County, criticizing immigration officials. I mean, I'm looking at that's the headline in the Madison paper, for example. Let me pull this up here. The Madison law enforcement local leaders condemn ISIS tactics amid arrests. Journal Sentinel headline Dane County Sheriff, Madison Mayor condemn weekend immigration raids. What happened is immigration went out and they arrested a number of people. They did it without telling local authorities that they were going to to do it. And that has people upset. Apparently, they, they were also saying things like immigration police. And some people were saying, well, that could cause confusion. So you've got the... Left-wing county sheriff in Dane County, who's upset, and the left-wing Madison police chief, and some of the usual suspects, and the hippy-dippy mayor of Madison, Paul Soglin. There, this is this is just terrible, terrible. Well, all right, immigration is starting to respond. Here, here's what immigration says: um, th- They arrested 83 people during a four-day enforcement action that ended Monday. So, starting on Friday, they came in and they picked up 83. People. Um, alright. Now, who did they arrest? Alright. Of the 83 criminal aliens and immigration violators, they were in 14 counties. 20 of the 83 who were arrested were in Dane County. Of the, of the 83, 77, now follow me here. 77 were men, 6, for, six were women. 44 had criminal convictions. Sixteen were immigration fugitives with no previous criminal convictions, so that would be you've been um, ordered to leave the country or you've been ordered to appear and you haven't showed up so you've got of the seventy seven and, and men and six women forty four had criminal convictions sixteen were in immigration fugitives with no previous convictions. 21 illegally re-entered the country after having previously been deported. Immigration said that those arrested Friday in Madison included a 27-year-old man from Thailand who is a convicted sex offender and a 27-year-old man from Mexico who has a 2016 conviction for child enticement for exposing his genitals. Both will remain in ICE custody pending removal from the United States. And the immigration officials are saying, look, you know, a- after we did this, you had these Madison officials that were running to, you know, denounce this and say, oh, this is just terrible. And we've closed down restaurants and we've done all this stuff. And immigration is saying, yeah, we, we did arrest 83 people in a series of counties, but you know, the, the people were uh, again, I- either people with criminal records or immigration fugitives or people who were here after deportation. Our number 414-799-1620 that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line I don't know about you but I have no criticism of immigration authorities at all what are they supposed to do if you receive information that you've got people who are in this country illegally in all cases 44 of the people with criminal convictions 16 immigration fugitives Twenty one who are here after having previously been deported, what are you supposed to do just turn and look the other way? I mean, look, if you want to talk about the need to reform our immigration laws. All right. I'm willing to have that that discussion. Although no matter how you reform the immigration laws, I don't think that you're going to provide um, for people who've been already deported who are here illegally or people who have criminal convictions or people who are immigration fugitives. I'm not sure there's any sort of standard that are going to allow those folks to stay. But but all this outrage that is out there involving immigration officials doing their job, my response would be um, four words. Give me a break. Isn't this what they are supposed to do? Do we not want... Immigration to Enforce the Law, 414 is the accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I will tell you, if you have people who are in this community who are here after being ordered to leave and they haven't left, or people who are in this community after having been apprehended, released, but told to come back for immigration hearings and they haven't, or you have people who are illegally in this country who have criminal convictions, I don't know about you, but I want them gone. I want them gone. And this idea that, oh, this is terrible, that immigration is doing this, and this is sowing seeds of distrust in the community. All right, you know, give me a break. 414 799 1620. What do you think? We discuss in just a minute. It's 141. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you're on the line, please hold on. 144. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So some people, primarily in Madison, and primarily some elected officials and some community activists, are upset that immigration did raids in Wisconsin over the last four days. They arrested 83 people in this country criminally in 14 counties. 20 of the people were in Dane County, 77 men, 6 women, 44 had criminal – everybody's in the country illegally – 44 had criminal convictions, 16 were immigration fugitives, 21 were here after being deported, and they had uh, illegally entered the country. All right. I'm, look, I'm sorry that the people are upset about that, but isn't this what what we want immigration people doing? Have a text here, Jeff. It's waste. I don't want my tax money tax money being used to pick up 40 people in a state. If it was 200 or 300, okay, 40. No, give it up. Well, it was it was 83, but but I mean, I guess I don't understand that. It's. So we we had these fugitives, the people in the Kenosha area who were involved in the armed robberies and fled from the police and then were involved in this manhunt for most of the morning. Do we say, well, it was only two people. Why are we expending these resources to catch them? No, I mean, if you're here criminally, you're here criminally. They they did a massive raid. They got 83 people that they, I suspect, had been monitoring for a while. And I, I'm sorry if some people don't like it, but maybe the answer is don't come into the country illegally. Let's talk to Joe in Milwaukee. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Hi, Joe.
9: Hi. Um I just I question Dane County's ethics. I mean, I think this is a, a question of public safety. I mean, getting these guys off the streets isn't that their job? And if someone's going to help them out to do that, then what's the problem?
0: Well, well, I mean, I guess the idea is, well, we don't want to be sowing distrust in the community, and we don't want people to feel uncomfortable. But I, I I'm kind of with you. Um, one of the guys arrested in Madison. 27 year old guy from Thailand who is a convicted sex offender. I, I think it's probably good that they picked him up. 27 year old right. man from Mexico, from Mexico who has a conviction right. for exposing his genitals to children. I think it's probably good that that guy's off the street. I don't know about you, but that's where I come Absolutely. down on. Yeah, no, no right. They, they should go. No, I mean, it, but then that's how that's how kind of silly it, it is. And, and I understand you have the, these hearings, and people will come back. Well, this was just terrible. And, and and look who they picked up. And immigration saying, "Well, wait a second. You know, we're not going out there randomly, willy nilly, just grabbing people off the street." Number one, everybody is here illegally. But within in that frame, it's not just that we're grabbing people who are here illegally. We're grabbing people who have criminal convictions or who are immigration fugitives, or who have re-entered after being deported. I, all three of those categories, to me, if I were running immigration, that would be one of my priorities as well. Alan in Hustisford. Alan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
6: Yes, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my yes, call. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, resti- a retired uh, state employee, and I also have uh, a law enforcement background, and I am so thoroughly fed up with the – leading liberals in this country that think law enforcement should be looking other looking the other way when it comes to criminals, whether it be illegal aliens, undocumented aliens or whatever, if they're a criminal and they're breaking the law, they should be picked up and prosecuted and get them out of our country. I'm sick of these liberals and, uh,
0: well, I mean, Alan, can you can you imagine the outrage? Okay, you've got this, this 27-year-old guy from Mexico who's got a recent conviction for exposing himself to kids. All right, let's say that he does it again, and it comes out that immigration knew where he was. And decided to just let him stay there. Can you imagine what the outrage would be at that point in time? How could you allow this guy to do that and to do this to another kid? I, people, what is immigration supposed to do in a case like this?
6: Correct. Uh, if they don't do it, they're, if they do their job, they're criticized. If the, somebody slips through the net and they do something again, then the same people who were criticizing them are on their backs uh, and. I'm just right. so fed up with the people who want to look the other way.
0: I know. I think they I, should. Look, I, I'm i with you. And and I have said this before. I. I. At some point in time, we we need to figure out what to do with the immigration issue in this country. I actually thought some of the things that President Trump and some of the Republicans were talking about a year ago was reasonable. Let's. Make a commitment, whether you build the wall or not, that, that doesn't necessarily matter to me, but let's make a commitment to toughening up the border security, to stop people from coming into this country illegally, all right? As to the people that are already in this country illegally, let's figure out a way of winnowing that group. Let's let's try to, uh, I mean, obviously the people that have been here after being deported or have criminal convictions or are what I would describe as the undesirable aliens and you can define that however you want you know they, they got to go but as to other people I don't know that it's a path to citizenship but I would be open to some path to allowing them to have like some sort of permanent resident status to me that that's that is what makes a lot of sense we could never get an agreement on that okay so given that we don't have an agreement on that we still have the laws now you have to prioritize your enforcement And i guess When I'm looking at this, it's hard for me to criticize immigration for saying, all right, you you haven't gone out and rounded up everybody that you know that is in Dane County who is here illegally. Instead, you're picking people who have criminal convictions, including convicted sex offenders and people who have exposed their genitalia to children. Yeah, I, I want them out of the country. I want them out of the country, and I think most people would. Let's talk to Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
9: Hey Jeff how are you doing
0: real well, thank you. What do you think?
9: Let them do their job that's I mean realistically, I mean like I was telling you screener, you know, I would like to see
4: one of these some of these liberals that are screaming the loudest how much they'd be screaming if something happened to them or one of their family members, some of their that had a prior conviction for a crime
0: well, well, right, yeah, and then it turns out that that immigration knew. That there was a guy from Thailand who's a convicted sex offender who's you know roaming around the the streets and he reoffends and then it turns out that immigration knew. I mean, can you yeah. imagine the firestorm?
9: Oh yeah, they, they they go ballistic. I mean, the other, the other thing is 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 I, I I mean, they're entrusted with you know with public safety. Let them do their job. In fact, I would encourage more activity. To if you know, I mean,
0: well, well, right, and that's why I was kind of curious. I, I, I've actually been. Holding this story since i mean the first it for information first started trickling out on Monday, but I was kind of curious as to who it was that they were targeting I mean was this sort of some massive thing that you're trying to you know separate families but you know it's people that have criminal convictions it, it's people that you know are here after deportation it's it's people that are here illegally no thanks to call i mean i guess i i just I look at all this stuff. And, again, I leave it up to other people who are smarter than me to figure out what the long-term strategy is on how do you deal with the millions of people that are in this country illegally. To me, like I say, it's simple. First, not simple, but first you start off by by stemming the flow of people – Coming in, I don't believe you can have open borders. I don't believe that that makes me racist because I say, well, you know, I, I we want to control who comes into this country. There's almost no country in the world that has open borders, you know. Period. I mean, there's just almost no country that that has that happen. So I think you have every interest in controlling the borders, and then you figure out what to do with the people who are here, who have been here for years and years. What you do with those people. But as, as far as, yeah, give me, a, give me a 27-year-old guy from Thailand who's here illegally and he's a convicted sex offender, sorry, I'm not going to lose any sleep if immigration picks him up, period. 153, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 156, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. That's where it has the time all gone. Coming up in the 2 o'clock hour, UW-Madison, the freshman class, has the smallest percentage of Wisconsin residents in 10 years. The numbers, actually, when you look at them, are very, very interesting. Is this the direction that we want to go? We will be discussing that. A Florida teacher says she was fired for defying a school's no-zero policy. Now, Gru, back when you were in school, you were at Stevens Point, right? All right, proud graduate of UW-Stevens Point, right? You're a pointer. That's what they are, right? Okay, if you got an assignment and you didn't turn in that assignment, all right, what grade would you expect? You would get a zero. Melissa, all right, when when you were in school, high school, college, if you had an assignment and you didn't turn in the assignment, what would you presume that the grade would be? If I did not turn it in, I would get uh, a zero or an F. A zero or an F, right. Well, okay, we have different generations here. I guarantee you when I was in school, if you didn't do the work, you you didn't do you didn't get any grade. Well, that's not how it is apparently in America in twenty eighteen. I will tell you that story and we're going to discuss the end of Dunkin' Donuts and lots more stuff are coming up and we're going to be discussing all of that. Um You know, we, we talk about the nature of what's going on in politics and how it, it's just it's just gotten to a point where you just kind of shake your head about it. Ted Cruz and I I know some of you might be you might be a fan of Ted Cruz. You might not be a fan of Ted Cruz. But he's the latest one to find himself caught by the resistance movement. The other night, he and his wife, this was Monday night, he and his wife are at a restaurant in, in D.C. They are eating dinner. And what happens is they are confronted by a large group of radicals who are screaming at them, um While they're out to dinner eating, they're screaming, we believe survivors and saying, you know, you've known uh, Kavanaugh for 20 years, you're a creep, et cetera, et cetera. And they disturb the man and his wife, you know, while he's eating. And of course, the, the group then takes a takes a video of this and they put it all up on Facebook. And they think that this is the way that they are going to win hearts and minds. Now, I understand that there's some people out there who say, hey, we're part of the resistance. If it's a conservative, it's a Republican, anybody associated with the Trump administration, even though there's no love lost between Donald Trump and Ted Cruz, we can do whatever we want. We are justified. We are noble. Well, at some point in time, there's going to be a tad of blowback, and maybe it's going to come from the electorate, maybe it's going to come from the politicians themselves, but at some point in time, bad behavior is just bad behavior, regardless of your politics. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about Wisconsin students, your kids' ability to get into UW Madison. Stick around, it's 159. <laughs> Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. I have a friend. Her daughter goes to a suburban high school, high-achieving young lady, good grades, good test scores, extracurricular activities, you know, up up and down the line. And her her top school, she wants to go to UW-Madison. The problem is... That a lot of people from very, very qualified, a lot of people from UW-Madison, from Wisconsin, want to go to UW-Madison. And even though she's got really, really good grades and really, really good test scores and all these great extracurricular activities, she's still kind of on, on the fence. Um, she doesn't know for sure whether she's going to get in. She's already been accepted at a couple other Big Ten schools because with her grades and all this other stuff, she, she's a catch. But my friend was was taking her daughter on these various. They, well, we went to look at Iowa, and we went to look at Minnesota, and we went to look at um, you know Michigan and stuff. And, and she's already been accepted at a couple of these schools. Like I say, it, it's easier for her to get into some of these other schools in the Big Ten than it is to get into UW Madison, which is where that she wants to go. Well, all right, the Journal Sentinel has a very interesting story. Now, it's a story that is written in about as confusing way as possible. If I was an editor. I would have said to the writer, could you write this in a more confusing way? <laughs> because it, you but but the information is all there. You just have to take some time to figure this out. The headline is UW Madison's freshman class has the smallest percentage of Wisconsin residents in 10 years. Okay, let me let me kind of give you the let, let me kind of cut through this and put like I say the numbers are all in that story. But you gotta to work to find it. But here's the bottom line. They don't have the final numbers yet, cause you're not gonna know until a little bit further into the fall. But, but here's the way it looks now. UW-Madison, this year, they admitted 66,862 freshmen. 68,62. Of that, 3,659 were from Wisconsin. Roughly 53, 54%. That's that's almost a hundred fewer in state students this year than last year. So thirty six fifty nine from Wisconsin, nineteen twenty one, one thousand nine hundred twenty-one out of state students, that's up about a hundred and fifty from the year before, six hundred and ninety-seven students from Minnesota, where you have reciprocity, that's up over a hundred in the year before. Five hundred and eighty-five international students. That's up from five hundred and forty-seven the year before. So the, the bottom line of all this is the number of Wisconsin residents admitted as freshmen is is down. Now the the university promised that they would always agree to admit at least thirty-six hundred, and they're they they admitted thirty-six fifty-nine, but again, it's down about a hundred, actually like eighty-seven. In-state students, fewer in-state students were admitted this year, more out-of-state students, more Minnesota students, more international students. And, again, I'm doing the rough math. It looks like about 53 to 54% are in-state students. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the acunate mortgage talk and text line. Now, let us be clear here as to what I think is is going on. There is a tuition freeze. On in state students. So if UW accepts my friend's daughter, you know, she's a state resident. She is going to be paying, you know, state tuition. If, on the other hand, they take somebody who is similarly situated, but they are from Michigan and they accept them, UW will get a lot more money from that student than you would if you took the similarly situated kid from in state. Now, of course, the problem with that is if you are a state resident and you've been a state resident for any length of time, much less decades, you, know, you have been supporting the UW system by paying your taxes to do it. And now it's time for your kid to go to school and you find that, well, all right, my kid, there's kind of a cap. We're taking out-of-state students or international students because, in part, they're going to be paying more. Now, the argument you get from time to time is, well, all right, yes, it it might be tough to get into, you know, UW Madison. But what people can do is, you don't have to start at Madison. What you can do is, if you don't get into Madison, then you go to one of the other UW schools, Stevens Point, Oshkosh, La Crosse, Eau Claire, whatever. And, you know, after a year, you might be able to transfer in because there's a lot of these, these kids that get there the first year and then they end up dropping out or transferring or whatever. So just because you don't get in from the jump doesn't mean you're not going to necessarily be able to go to UW-Madison. Will you tell that to a Wisconsin kid who has their heart set on going to UW-Madison? All right, let's open up the phone line, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. You will never convince me that part of the reason that's going into showing the decline in the number of in-state students and the increase in the number of out-of-state students is money. It costs more to go to UW if you are an out-of-state student than if you are an in-state student. My question is this. Should there continue to be a priority for in-state students? And again, like I say, that the math, the way I do the math, 53 54% should there be a greater number of slots set aside for in-state students who are otherwise qualified to do the work? I'm not arguing that somebody should be admitted to UW-Madison who can't do the work. But if you've got somebody who is a qualified Wisconsin resident, should there be some form of priority? And my guess is maybe you went through this, maybe your kids have gone through this, all right, do we need to do more to guarantee slots at UW-Madison for Wisconsin residents? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. Like I say, they, they say, UW says we guarantee 3600 And and that's true. This year, they're going to be a bit over 3600 3659 but that's down from last year there's clearly more and more out-of-state and international students that are taking up spots that would otherwise go to Wisconsin residents. All right, let's start with Sherry in Muskego. Sherry, you're first. Good afternoon.
5: Hi. I have a friend whose daughter was accepted at UW-Madison. She got her football ticket. She got her dorm. And two weeks before school was supposed to start, she was sent a letter that their acceptance has been rescinded and no reason was given. No reason. <laughs> no reason.
0: So she'd made all her arrangements?
5: Yep. Yep, huh. she was all ready to go. Wow. And she wanted to go there so badly, and um, yeah. it never, it's not happening.
0: Huh. Well, um, she should be comforted to know that, I guess, that her spot is going to somebody from Minnesota or international or out of state <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> no, no. thanks for calling I mean, and And, again, look, I... I, I understand you can say, "Well, one college is good as another," but the, the truth is, there's a lot of really qualified kids who work really hard, and UW Madison—it's—it's it's their dream school. They want to be Badgers, and, and I'm not against a diverse student body. I mean, I—I wouldn't argue that UWM should be UWM. I'm sorry, UW Madison should be all Wisconsinites. But at the same time, you know, you're getting really close to a 50-50 sort of percentage. And I do believe that one of the reasons that you have more and more out-of-state students who are being invited, it's, it's pure dollars and cents. And that, that's all well and good. I'm a capitalist. But does that, what about the families that have lived in Wisconsin for 20 or 30 years who've been paying taxes to support the UW system, including UW Madison? Todd in Madison. Todd, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
1: Well, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm sitting in a similar situation. My son, who applied in about seven or eight schools, exceptional GPA, a Milwaukee native by heart, been out in the Madison area since 91. He's now a freshman at Marquette. Uh, was accepted there along with everywhere else. He applied to, with the exception of UW, was waitlisted. And the devastation and the week that followed that denial or weightless deliverance uh, was the same very least you know, mis- concerning, mis- for us. Who uh, and again, we're talking about a kid that uh, worked a lot harder than I did in school, mm-hmm. and trying to justify the numbers. And I get it. There are many people coming from outside paying a lot more tuition than we would. Right. Uh, but the sheer devastation that he went through.
0: Uh, and, and and your son it, and your son Todd was accepted. At compar- in your opinion, at comparable schools to UW Madison,
1: uh, I'll, I'll list a few: Marquette, Saint Norbert, Minnesota, yeah. ASU, a couple of Florida schools. Uh, like I said, uh, you know our standing joke is he got that B plus in Spanish three. <laughs> Other than that, he was perfect across the board and was athletic and and did all the and and he even said to me after the the letter came, what do I need to do? I said I, I don't have an answer for you, honey. It comes yeah. down to dollars and cents.
0: Yeah. No, thanks. And and I think that's that that's that's the that's the case. Um and look and I again I'm not arguing that people from out of state shouldn't be able to go to UW Madison. I do believe that there should be a priority though, given to in state students who are otherwise able to do the work. Here's a tech UW Madison is a public state school and should take all Wisconsin students first and then take out of students it should out of state students, it should not be a, a business. Well I, I don't know that I go you know, that far, but at the same time, if you're making decisions on, on admittance based in part upon, hey, let we, if we take more out-of-state students, we can get more revenue, that strikes me as being just fundamentally wrong. All right, we're going to take a break. We're back with more calls in just a minute. A lot of you have experienced this either directly or maybe indirectly with your kids. I, again, I 53% seems to me to be a very low percentage for in-state students at the flagship university for the state of Wisconsin. 220, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you're on the line, please hold on. 222, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you want to look at percentages instead of raw numbers, let's look over the last 10 years. And the Journal Sentinel article does this. Comparing the in-state percentage of students accepted at UW-Madison from 2009 to the ones accepted in 2018, 7.5% fewer in-state students admitted this year than were admitted in 2009. 7.5%. All right. Does that mean Wisconsin- High school graduates are getting dumber? No, no, I don't think so. I think instead what you're seeing is this concentrated effort to try to bring more out of state students to UW, not just for geographic diversity, but because they end up paying more. And try explaining how that goes over to the kid who, like our previous caller says, has his heart set on going to UW Madison. You can say, well, okay, you, you can go to Marquette, you can go to, you know, you can go and maybe you can transfer in in a year, but that's, that's a tough sell. Let's talk to John in Sheboygan. John, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
9: Hello there. Uh, great conversation. I have a little experience with this. Uh, my longtime graduate of Stevens Point, I had a girlfriend transfer to Madison after my freshman year. I mm-hmm. thought, oh, no problem. I'll just transfer down there. And of course, what that, I learned That was really difficult. Right.
5: Right.
7: Uh,
9: but I think, you know, just regarding the topic you have at hand, I, I'm okay with the statistics. Um, I think there's three factors that are contributing to this statistic. And I, I'll say right up front, I'd have a huge problem if it ever went below their quota or this 50% thing. I think 50% is a healthy figure. But the three factors I think that are contributing one, you're, you're hitting the nail right on the head. That there has to be a financial component. Two, you haven't said too much about it, but it was the same reason why I couldn't get in. It, they literally... Uh, have almost like a competitive GPA, and they give it to the top GPAs in many of their their courses there. And I think there's, it's becoming more and more competitive. Mm-hmm. We're fighting against Japanese, Korean, Chinese. Um, you know, they're coming from, they want the best education. So there really is a competitive factor there. And then, of course, we all know Madison is one of the most diverse places in the world. Right. And there's a, there's a component there. But I, I think the argument here would please, Let's never have it dip below because fifty percent. We can always look at it as half as the glass being half full.
0: Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, and I appreciate your perspective. I mean, I, ten years ago, um, I, I think the percentage would probably be closer to sixty percent. Now you're moving to, to closer to fifty percent. And, and here's, I mean, here is part of the problem. If if you are a Wisconsin resident and you have been a Wisconsin resident for a long time. You've you've supported the university system through your your taxes, and I I think one of the components is. And look, and I'm not arguing that kids who can't do the work should be admitted. Okay, that's I'm not saying that you know if you can't do the work that you should you know you should get a ride to UW Madison just because you know you grew up in Madison or just because your parents went to Madison. But I, I one of the things that I am seeing, and I guess it's anecdotal perhaps, but I believe that it's real, is there's a lot of really, really qualified kids who aren't getting in because maybe there's equally qualified kids from out of state who are applying, but those kids from out of state are getting preferences, and I think part of it is because, again, they pay more from out of state, which is all well and good. I understand the economics of it, but still, if it's a state university, shouldn't we always assure that the majority of the kids who are going to go there, again, assuming they can do the work, are going to be, I don't know, kids from the state of Wisconsin. Just just saying. 226, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, there's something posted on the today's TMJ4 website that is inadvertently one of the funniest things that I have read. All right, you, you might remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. The city of Milwaukee has decided to come up with another way to screw you over if you want to go downtown. They have just changed the way – park. well, they want to change the way parking is administered. First of all, they want to jack up the rates at meters, number one. Um, Number two, they want to extend how long you have to feed them. It used to be they'd knock it off at six. They want to continue it to nine. Number three, they have added Saturdays. So what they are doing is they're trying to figure out everything they can do to get deeper into your pockets. And on top of that, and this is the beauty of it, they've added what they call surge pricing, which means if you're downtown, when there's something going on that people might want to go to, they're going to charge you even more to park. Now, seriously, will the last person, will the last person to leave the city of Milwaukee turn off the lights and, and just close it down? They're, they, they're hoping to raise an extra. million for the city's parking budget, and you know where that money is going? Gru, you know where that money is going. You know where they're going to spend it? They're spending the extra $2 million to help pay operating costs on the flop. I mean the hop, the the new streetcar trolley. So they are going to shaft you if you want to park downtown so they can pay for the flop that ain't nobody going to ride. All right, so... This this was a proposal that was passed in committee the other day. So what was the unintentionally funny line on today's TMJ4's website? Here's the first line. The Milwaukee Common Council has approved the demand-based pricing plan for parking in the city. In other words, the Common Council has said, yes, let's stick it to anybody who wants to park here. Here is the unintentionally funny line. There has been no word on whether Tom Barrett would sign it or veto it. Oh, for God's sake. Tom Barrett has never met a tax increase that he would not embrace. And when it comes to shafting people, when it comes to parking, Tom Barrett will be the – I would not be surprised if Tom Barrett was out there with the parking checkers trying to give the first ticket for the person who, you know, over parks on that – doesn't feed the meter at 730 or doesn't feed the meter on Saturdays. The surge parking thing, Tom Barrett will be out there before he goes in for his good seats at the Bucks games, he'll be out there making sure that the people pay more to park on the streets. There's been no word on whether Tom, Mayor Tom Barrett will sign it or veto it. Well, let me put it like this. This is not one that you have to hold your breath on. 237, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Groove, do you ever have recurring dreams? You're producing the show today and always. Do you ever have like like the same kind of dream that just kind of pops up out of nowhere? Every once in a while, I I, I do too. Um, the one, the one that I have from time to time is I'm back in college and I I haven't attended a class. It's actually, it's like a political science class or something like that. And I I haven't gone to the class and the the test is coming up and I know I'm going to flunk the test. Now, I also know that, that in some respects, I've got my law degree. And I practice law, but I'm like, okay, they're going to come and take my college degree away. And then I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to be back at square one at my age. I, I, the dreams make no sense, but it is this recurring dream that I have from from time to time. And part of the dream and the problem, of course, revolves around the fact that I didn't go to the class and I didn't go, I didn't do the work and I'm going to flunk the class. All right. So that continues to haunt me to this day. I don't, the the mind, you know, there's just not enough couch time to figure out what goes on in the recesses of my mind, at least. But all right. So, but that, that's the recurring dream that I have from time to time. And my producer, I won't even ask you what your recurring dreams are, but mine involves like academics. At least that one involves academics. All right. Well, here, here's the deal. There's this woman who is an elementary school teacher in, in Florida. Um, kind of the West Palm Beach area. She's been a teacher for a while. She gets a gig at an elementary school, a K to a great-grade kindergarten to 8, grade 8 school. She gets this gig to teach U.S. history, all right? Well, apparently what happens is, now she, she's a probationary employee because she's a new teacher there, so they don't have to explain why they they get rid of her, and they're not. But she says, "Here's what what happened." She says she doesn't believe in getting credit where it's not due. She said, "All right, the, the handbook that this school has says that you are not you are not supposed to give zeros. The lowest grade possible is fifty percent. You cannot give a zero. The lowest grade." possible is 50%. Okay, well, so she goes into administrators and she says, well, okay, I I don't understand what happens if, for example, it's an assignment and somebody just doesn't turn anything in. And then she's told, well, we give them a 50. And she says, what do you mean? How, How can I give them a 50 for somebody who didn't do the work? and they say well that's that doesn't matter that's that's what the the handbook says that's what our policy is um you know they've got this chart detailing the score requirements for for letter grades and no if somebody doesn't do the work they they can't get a, a zero you know they they have to get credit and she says well that just doesn't make any sense to me and she says i'm not going to do it and next thing you know she has been fired. All right, she's been fired. Now, the school district won't come out and say this is why they fired her. School district says, well, she's a probationary employee. We decided to get rid of her. But she says this is, this put me in conflict with the administration because I told them I would not do this. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the acunate mortgage talk and text line. Now, I guess I've got a couple comments on this. First of all, If this is really the policy of the school or the school district that you get credit for not doing the work, my, my thing would be, I'd say to this lady, you're better off being away from a system that does that. But, but the bigger point is how, how nuts is this? I mean, are are we talking, we're not even talking participation medals here because the kids didn't participate. They did not do the work. How can you give somebody credit? if they didn't do the work what about the kid that that busted his or her butt and and still failed you know get 60 percent right or whatever how can you give that kid a 60 and you give some other kid who didn't do anything a 50 am i missing something 414-799-1620 that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line let's start with mike in burlington mike you're first good afternoon hi there hi mike
4: Uh Yeah, I'm a retired teacher. I taught 39 years, and toward the end of my career, my district went to the same policy. It's a local district here, and they went to the same policy. Um, After Act 10, they figured out they could dictate what we needed to do, so they came up with the same exact policy. And I argued, I said the same thing you just did, that it's not justifiable to the kid that really works hard and gets 60%, that he's only 10% better than the kid who did nothing. I also posed the question to the administrator, if I don't come to work tomorrow, will <laughs> you pay me half my wage?
0: Right, and the answer would be, well, of course not.
4: <laughs> yeah, of course not. And I explained to them that um, the way I ran my classroom, and the parents were aware of this because they were given the paperwork, is that first aid kid doesn't do an assignment, he gets the zero, and a letter goes home saying he's chosen not to do this assignment, but it comes back tomorrow, signed by you, and the assignment completed, I will give him full credit for whatever grade he earns. If it doesn't come back the first day, I send a second letter home explaining that it never came back to me. And he still has to do it. Parents have to sign it. But he loses one letter. grade. And then unbeknownst to the child, I would call home or email and tip the parents off because maybe the kid didn't take that first letter home.
9: Right. Right.
4: And in then, and then the third day, if they didn't do it, then he got the zero and the parents were aware of it. And he still had to do the work. And the kids kind of figured out that you know what I got to do the work regardless. I might as well
0: get credit. Wait, well, Mike, I, I I don't I I don't want to ask a question that makes me sound completely stupid. But I'm legitimately confused. What is the rationale that a school district would have for they saying that you have to give credit for a kid who doesn't do any work at all? I don't understand it seriously.
4: They told me, and this was their group of scientists, this year's, that if you give them a zero, they've got too big of a hole to dig out. Huh. And I explained to them that at the end of the quarter, I always dropped their lowest assignment. So if a kid did get a zero, yeah. that was dropped. So
0: Well, maybe that's a justification for doing the assignment in the first place, though. Yeah.
4: You know, I explained to them that, you know, we're trying to prepare these kids for further education, and when they get to college, it's not going to cut it when a kid just says, well, I'm not going to do the work, but give me 50%. You know, so that's defeating what we're
0: trying to do, right? Or, or the real world where your boss says, "Okay, well, you know, I, I need to have, I, I need this report by Tuesday." <laughs> you know, yeah. well, I, I just didn't do it. You know, <laughs> well,
4: and, and that's why I asked him if I didn't come to work tomorrow, would you pay me for half a day's work? You know, fifty percent. Well, of course not. Well, okay, yeah, it's you know, too big a hole. thing. It's you're, too, you're, you're it's too big a
0: hole you know, to dig out. No, thanks. For, it's, I mean, it just it, this whole conversation is it's just mind boggling. To, to me, the idea that you can you can now look and I I understand that there might be there there might be excused absences or excused reasons. You know, I here I, I couldn't I couldn't do the homework assignment because you know I was in the hospital I had pneumonia or whatever. So I mean but that's that's not what we're dealing with here. We're not talking about the kid who has what we would all understand is a valid excuse for for not doing the assignment. We're talking about kids who just blow it off and, and the teacher is being told no, you you can't. You have to give them at least fifty percent credit for that. Uh, John in Kenosha, John, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi, John.
1: Um, my wa- uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey. All right. Um, my wife is actually leaving the profession. She's a teacher in public schools. It was um, yeah, and this is just one of the reasons why she's leaving the profession. She yeah, you know, she uh, is required. Um, you know, to to do this sort of thing where you dumb down the grades and then give credit for you know for doing very little or nothing, and it's frustrating. Uh,
0: it, well, it just it, it just see, it makes absolutely no no sense to me that you would you would have a policy like this that rewards people for not doing anything. It just it it makes no sense to me.
1: Exactly, exactly, and and so what happens is you drive away the the good teachers who are there because they really want to you know, teach something right. and they hold their students to a, a, a level of accountability that the administration just won't back them up with. And so you either have to lower your standards or, or seek a different profession.
0: Yeah. I mean, I th- think so. I mean, look, I, bear with me. I've told this story before my, my second semester in college, I, I, I went through college in three and a half years. I, I was taking lots of credits. I was trying to get a lot of credits done so I could graduate early. And my, my second semester, I had six A's. I took seven classes. Six A's and a D. Only D I ever got in my life, and the D was in this advanced calculus class. I've told the story before. And I, I had, I had, and the way it worked is I'd taken the basic calculus class, and if you took advanced calculus and you got like a B or above, you, you got they'd give you extra credits, you know, so towards graduation. So I got greedy. I, 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 my, my mind. Calculus and me just do not agree. But the first semester, I was able to get through it. I got a B because I I didn't understand it, but I worked really hard. I, I memorized stuff. So I could take the test and I could do okay because even though I didn't really understand why I was getting an answer, I, I could identify, oh, this is the problem. I remember this. This is what happened and, and this is the answer. So I did okay. Well, once I got to advanced calculus, I was just flat lost. I mean, cause I didn't, I didn't understand the why stuff was happening and, and I just, I couldn't get it, but I worked really, really hard for it. And, and I got, I ended up I still remember when I opened that report card, my, my big question, I was just wondering, would the hours I took match the hours that I got? Because, I mean, I, I, I could have flunked it. I, I freely admit it. I just didn't get it. I flat didn't get it. But I worked my butt off. The professor knew I was working really hard. He, he did. You know, he, he knew that I, I wasn't just blowing the stuff off. I was trying, and I was trying, and I was trying, and I just didn't get it, and he gave me a D. It was a gift. I admit it was an absolute and total gift. But, all right, I worked really hard Get that D. I probably worked harder to get that D than I did to get the the six the six A's I got, and that that's probably honest to god truth. So should I have gotten a D just because? Well, I enrolled in the class. Well, no. What does that do? What does that incentive? Does that give you then to try to work hard, even if, you know, you're working hard even if you don't get it. At least you're trying. Two forty eight, Jeff Wagner, W T M J. Two fifty two, Jeff Wagner, W T M J. Okay, so I know this guy. Who works for a company, and they make they make signage for like fast food restaurants. And, and I've never thought about this. So I was talking to him, but that like his company is one of a handful of companies across the country, and they have deals with different like fast food chains. Fill in the blank: Subway, McDonald's, whatever. And whenever there's like a, a new Subway, McDonald's, Cousins, whatever, whenever there's a new one, they get hired and they go out and they make the sign or Whenever the company the business changes signage, they, they make the sign, and it's it's actually very because I, I never thought about it. where do these signs come from. Well, it's actually sort of a interesting theory as to how you get these gigs and stuff. I was thinking of my acquaintance today because Dunkin' Donuts, Dunkin' Donuts. I hope you're sitting down, ready for this. Soon, Dunkin' Donuts is going away. Dunkin' Donuts starting next year is not going to be Dunkin' Donuts anymore. Instead. They are just going to be Duncan with the apostrophe, not the G. So don't say you're dropping your G's D U N K I N apostrophe. They are going to have all new signage, all new rebranding. They are dropping donuts because they are trying to, they have decided that the way to continue to stay relevant moving forward is they want to be what they call a beverage led company focusing on coffees, teas, to go food, including but not limited to donuts. So the idea is they're decided, well, donuts is too limiting. That's not where we want to be moving forward. The market is come in and have coffee. So they are no longer going to call themselves Dunkin' Donuts. It's just going to be let's go to Dunkin'. <sighs> All right. At the risk of, again, getting on the wrong side of these people that come up with ideas like New Coke and things like this, it would seem to me that you know, Dunkin' Donuts – is one of these sort of traditional names. You have this brand that has built you have built up over the decades. And, you know, people, yes, you, you think of Dunkin' Donuts as being donuts, yeah, but you probably also think of them as being other things. The idea of, of what's in a name, here, we've got to drop donuts so people realize we're a place to go and get coffee. I think this is going to be a catastrophic miss along the lines of um, New Coke, but of course, they're going to spend all this money, and we will at some point in time see. But be prepared if you're a fan of Dunkin' Donuts. Well, you might want to get uh, you know take one of those napkins home now, so you can show your grandkids this used to be called Dunkin' Donuts, but now it's just going to be Dunkin', and people will understand that. And again, that's Dunkin' with the apostrophe, not with the G. It's 2:55, and we come back. We'll find out what Scott, Melissa, and Greg have on their minds on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.